Welcome to the Ether. Today is Thursday, August 18th, 2022. Today on the Ether, Cosmic Community Spaces with the Yopster, aka Sir Ardent. Hosted by Lil Gaines. Let's take a listen. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Gaines, let's do it. Yeah, all right. I'm going to call him. I'm going to call my work. I quit. I'm done. Okay, so, so not they- that far. So, so maybe not, maybe not that route. But, <laughs> you know, what's the say? You don't quit your job until your business makes you quit your job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you want to have that safety net because when you get stressed out, uh, trying to make ends meet, especially since you have a family and all, uh, then you can make some emotional decisions that, when you look back at it, you, you're going to probably regret. You know, you don't want to be in a situation where. You're trying to make ends meet with your business and pushing things to the limits that now some, some people, some schools of thought would say, well, that's when, you know, that's when you have the best and you have the pressure on when you have that, uh, that burning, you know, requirement, not just a, a need and not just a want, but you have a need. That's when some of the best things come out of it. But if you don't have to put yourself in that position, why would you, you know? Yeah. 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 I feel yeah, that. I feel that. I'm about that. I'm about that. And I like my job anyway. So I get fulfillment of it. I get connected. I get to teach. I get to do, like, I get to be in the flow state a lot of the time. So for me, it's not necessarily work. Um, and then my side business, I'm doing that. And then into some real estate and, of course, investments and other things like that. But there's nothing like, you know, having your own time, being able to make your own schedule, do your own thing. You know, yeah, I... Well, with Cosmo Spaces and everything that goes on with Cosmo Spaces, like um, it's a it's a lot of work for me, but I enjoy it and I see like you know the potential of it. So, yeah, I, I guess I guess yeah, I, I could call myself like a aspiring entrepreneur. Maybe. What do you think, Yapster? I think you already are an entrepreneur. Yeah, you Just, already are. You yeah, gotta, you got to own that title, own that yeah. identity. Put what that in your bio. What would you recommend people though, Yapster, to like <clears throat> that do want to start their own business? What what would you recommend them to get, to do first? Like, you know, where should they start? That's easy. That's an easy question. First, start with what you're passionate about. You know, like what Legendarius literally just said. He he enjoys what he does. So, yeah. if you enjoy what you do, you don't really consider it a job. You find what you're passionate about. Find and then try to try to cross examine that with strategic advantages. Not just something you can't be passionate about something and like actually have no skill set related to that task. Like you have to kind of cross examine reality with, you know, your concept of a perfect job, quote unquote, or perfect uh, business of your of your interests. Kind of have to cross examine that consider the strengths and opportunities and weaknesses. Kind of consider like a SWOT analysis, um, strengths, weaknesses, external um, 
opportunities and threats to that potential business and see if it's something that you can feasibly, you know, come up with the capital to do and, and, and get started. I always look for when I'm, when I'm starting a new business and I've started several, I look for opportunities that scale up relatively easy. So you don't want to like cap yourself on something you want to have. And, and as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, you always want to have an exit strategy as well. You don't want to, if you're building a business around yourself um, and you remove yourself from the equation down the road or go on, even just go on a vacation and that business doesn't operate without you, it's not really a business. You've created yourself a job. So if you're looking to become self-employed or start your own business, oh, it doesn't have to be from day one that all of a sudden it's just working without you, but you need to slowly build yourself, the, set yourself up to um, have an exit strategy essentially so that there's a process in place that the business can operate without you. So really all that comes down to is kind of documenting what you do and why you do it and this, this, you know, this, the um, SOPs, the standard operating procedures of what needs to go down in your absence or even while you're there to help you structure yourself while you're operating. And also, you know, if, if you were to expand the business and hire someone to replace you and grow and add a location or, you know, double down or whatever, depending on the, the business type. So that's, that's something I always look at. Yeah. As I hope you guys are taking notes because <clears throat> that's, yeah, please, please start taking some notes because you have to throwing some bombs out there, man. And just to be a co-host, let me drop a book for y'all. Um, so one of my favorite authors is MJ DeMarco, who basically started, um, he got two business degrees, and then at the age of 26, when he was working a menial job, was contemplating suicide as he was stuck in his limo on the side of the road. And so through, um, one, I've read all of his books, but the newest one is called Unscripted, The Great Rat Race Escape. And so it has a parable where it talks about a family, like a young couple who has a kid, and they're kind of, their marriage is on the rocks. They, one works night shift, one works day shift. Basically, it's the American grind. So it talks about how they kind of get out of it. And he adds his business you know, expertise. So how like he'll bring up some lessons or some rules and then they will play it out. So he's like, it's boring to read a business book. But when you have something that you can kind of follow along the story, it makes it more palatable. So once again, that book is Unscripted, The Great Rat Race Escape by MJ DeMarco. And I highly recommend it. And there's my spiel. Thank you, bro. I, and I actually took notes, and I'm putting that in the uh, chat. If you guys, sure. if you guys click the chat button, you'll see it. So, I would add uh, if we're adding books to read, if you're looking at being a, just kind of opening your mind to entrepreneurship or self-employment, or even even just bettering your own career in terms of business and and kind of thinking outside the box, so you can advance up the ladder by providing. Showing showing your skill sets, I, I would definitely look into good to great. Um, Jim Collins, I've I've read this book like three times, or maybe read it once and listened listened to it on on tape a couple times um, by Jim Collins. So essentially, it it helps you kind of go through the systematic understanding of how to look at a business and identify what could make it good and what could what is holding it back from becoming great. And so one of the big taglines in that in that book is good is the enemy of great. And so it kind of falls under, and I really resonate with this, this tagline a lot. So, so it kind of 
speaks through me and a lot of things I do and say, I, I don't really aspire to be good or to be average. Um, it's kind of, if you're, if you're good or you're average or you're just okay, or you're meeting quote unquote expectations in your job, right? You don't really have that, um, you don't have really that motivation or drive to like change or improve. So you have to kind of con consciously, consciously make, force yourself to be like, look, no, this is not good enough. Like good slash meet expectations isn't good enough for me. I, I need to be great. I want to be exceeds expectations on that scorecard. I want to, I don't want to, if you're the, leading a business, I, I don't want to be a, you know, a random retail shop that's just making it. I want to have a franchise with 30, 40, 140 locations by the, in five years. So, you know, set your goals high, um, then work backwards from that. But, but realizing conceptually this book goes through and helps you like understand some of those hurdles psychologically and conceptually where you're you're like running your business may kind of run into a bottleneck and how to kind of widen those bottlenecks and really open the floodgates to success so yeah phil uh not phil collins jim collins by good to great phil collins is actually my favorite uh artist by the way so that's probably a F floridian uh, slip there. So there's something about Collins, right? You like you like the Collinses, but uh, <laughs> but yeah. So everything you said, and that's actually what my side business is. Uh, it's called Mastering Legacy. So I help people master themselves internally, so that they're able to leave a legacy externally. Um, and that's everything you're talking about. There is really, you know, having the courage to let go of mediocre mediocrity, which is so you know pervasive in our culture, and striving to grasp excellence. And the beautiful thing about excellence is excellence pays attention to who shows up, pays attention to who learns from their failures, right? Um, it's like excellence, there's this test. And um, let's see, it's Vishen Lakiani, the founder of Mind Valley, has brought up this uh, concept called the beautiful destruction. And so that's where you destroy the mediocre in your life to make room for the, the excellent and the beautiful. So everything you're saying in Yapster, on point. I'm glad you mentioned failures because you can't talk about success without talking about your failures. As an entrepreneur, I failed more times than I care to admit, but each time, each time, even whether I realize it in the moment or not, like looking back on some of those experiences has been, has proven to be invaluable as I proceed into the web three and continue to become an entrepreneur as, as such, uh, I, I, I pull from those experiences literally daily sometimes hourly like i mean i'm no joke like i've failed so many times i can't i don't some some of them you know i i still to this day kind of struggle to relay and share the stories behind them because it, it was such a such a a big um effort on my part and my family's part and and so many years of time and effort put into it to be rugged by um outside um threats that's in that going back to that strengths, uh, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Sometimes, sometimes those threats actually aren't controllable by you. So when you are analyzing a business opportunity for yourself, make sure that you're not putting yourself in a position where you don't have the control or you don't have the ability to mitigate a risk that you've assessed uh, in your business that you're coming up with. If there's a risk and an outside threat to that potential business plan, that you really can't mitigate internally and 
you can definitely come up with some creative ways to mitigate those risks. But sometimes, you know, big macro things aren't in your control as a small business owner, right? So, and, you know, there's a lot of big businesses out there that kind of run the, run the show and, and like to crush little businesses that pop up just purely because that's how business works. So those, those are threats that you can't necessarily control. And when you do that SWOT analysis, that strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, in that threat category, those those are outside those are outside threats that you really can't control. So I've I've run into a couple of those, um, and knowing that and experiencing that in the past has allowed me to more carefully set myself up for success going forward. Meaning, like I'm more careful about analyzing those, coming up with mitigation strategies, and if if I can't, if I can't after some time of you know creatively thinking and and bouncing ideas off of other people. If I can't come up with a, a solid mitigation strategy that I'm I'm happy with, I'm comfortable with, I can sleep at night with, I just I kind of put that business idea on the shelf and, and be like, look, this is a great idea. Could I have a lot of strengths here? There's a lot of opportunity here, um, but at the same time, there's also too many threats to this business plan that are outside my control. So I'm just going to go ahead and pass on this for now. And so sometimes knowing when to walk away um, is actually just as important as knowing when to pull the trigger. I hope y'all are taking notes. Seriously. This is the real, real. Um, and that is basically on anything. One thing that you talked about that I'm, I'm going to kind of agree with, but also challenge a little bit just because of the beauty of it is, so has anybody in here heard of the game Harvest Moon, right? So um, I read a book a while ago. It's basically ultra learners, how people learn complex skills quickly, right? How our brain is set up to do that. So in there, it talks about the story of the kind of the creator of Stardew Valley, which was the spiritual successor of Harvest Moon, where a single individual did everything. So he took courses on storytelling, took courses on animation, on composing. Dude created the entire game by himself, and it was a smash success, made millions and millions of dollars. So one thing you want to do is just because you don't have a skill, use this as a learning opportunity, right? So right now I need to learn coding because coding is literally a superpower. Like my best friend, he's software engineer. He's like, literally coding is a superpower. And he, he always says, have a goal in mind. Don't just code or learn to code for the sake of coding, right? Create a game, create something that you care about, learn how to integrate it into things, skills that you already have, passions that you already have. So that gives you a purpose, right? Meaning and purpose are the fuel that drives life. If you have no meaning and purpose, you're depressed, right? That's just how it is. You're just an asteroid floating along in space. So really set up these challenges. If you want to learn Spanish, put yourself in the situation that you need to learn Spanish, right? Hey, there's this very beautiful woman that you would like to talk to and take on a date, but you don't know Spanish. And she, Spanish is her, her emotional language, is her primary language. So this is a great motivation to go learn Spanish, right? Have something that's driving you, right? So don't learn coding or don't learn a skill in a vacuum, right? In the book, MJ says, what is the next boss, right? What is the next hurdle? Don't worry about 10 hurdles down the way. You have to get through the first one. Most of the times, as you know, Yapster was saying, we don't know when to pull the trigger. But the next thing is we don't want to have to plan out the entire plan. Okay, I'm going to do this, then this, then this. Oh, that doesn't work, so I can't do anything, right? What is the next immediate thing in the way? Research it, learn it, read books on it, develop that skill. I don't know how to code. All right, well, let's learn some coding, right? 
boom, learn some Python, right? Basic Python, got that. Now I'm able to do this. Now this forced me to learn more Python, right? And now integrate this and this. So you're building and you're learning. So as you're learning the skills, your neurons are growing. So you're having um, neuroneogenesis, the formation of new neurons. You're building new pathways and you're connecting new skills, which in the book by Robert Greene, Mastery, talks about how you can create niche you know, jobs, niche careers, niche fields by combining two unlikely fields due to your expertise and how your path to mastery has led you there through your self-apprenticeship. That's good stuff right there. Yeah, and, and back into the terms of the good to great by Jim Collins, that's, that's the bottleneck you're talking about. That coding um, is the high demand bottleneck item that needs to be accomplished. That's the hurdle that in, the, in your path that you need to focus in on and, and knock out. So, so do that. Like you have a lot of the other skill sets available and things would be flowing much quicker if you just widen up that bo- bottleneck by targeting that skill set that you need to overcome and, and knocking it out. That's, that's perfect analogy there. Beautiful. Now we could talk about this all day, but Kyle, uh, yeah, so let's kind of get into how'd you get into crypto, right? Let's get back to the, the traditional questions and uh, we may finish it up, you know, just chopping it up at the end. Let sure, sure, curious, sure. Uh, just one, one last question before we get into the crypto stuff, uh, if I may. Uh, yeah, sir, like you, you talked about passion, you know, find the pa- find your passion and just, just go with that, right? So what is your passion though? You know, you, you were an entrepreneur, you became an entrepreneur over 10 years ago. So what is your passion? Wow, that's a, that's a really tough question. I'm sorry. Um, Gains with the hard hitting over here. Um, no, yeah, that's really good. So I guess my, one of my passions is is been from a long 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 standing position of when I first got a job out of college, worked uh, Federal Reserve as an analyst. Little total all the way at the bottom in the basement of their like fourteen story building. The, they bring in these these analysts and crunch numbers for them and stuff. So I worked there like two and a half years and got them to pay for my master's degree and uh, put my, put my two week notice in right at the, like the perfect timing to like not have to get charged back for that tuition reimbursement. So I just kind of like really stuck it to the man. But anyways, to, to answer your question, even when I was going through college and, and first started my first, my first like big boy, big britches job at the federal reserve, I was passionate about helping people understand finances and like in through college, I actually like donated my time uh, an entire summer and then through a couple other semesters here and there uh, teaching for fourth graders financial literacy. Um, so this is nothing I got paid for. I mean, it obviously looked good on my resume or whatever to volunteer for this kind of thing, but it, it really was something that I enjoyed doing and it kind of stuck with me when I, we, we, I helped them like create a curriculum that is still standing now to this day um, to, to kind of educate fourth graders on four uses of spending, saving, um, saving, spending, investing, and donating. And so uh, these were the four core uses, quote unquote, of money. And so this was through my college years that I was helping them develop this curriculum that is, again, still, still used to this day um, in that part of... Um, part of the country to, I think they've expanded it to like three or three or four dozen, um, small schools, like public schools in the area. And it's not a huge city that this is in, but there's quite a few, it's kind of spread out throughout the whole 
area um, because a nonprofit was kind of leading it. And so they've kind of just reached this out. And um, it, it, that really, really stuck with me because I was very passionate about doing that. And then when I went and started working with the Federal Reserve, I actually, again, kind of volunteered, quote unquote, like voluntold. Yeah, they didn't pay me extra for this, but I, <laughs> I did tours um, of their of the, at this Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City is where I, I worked um, to fully dox myself, which I'm already doxed. You, ch- you can check my linked tree on my profile. It takes you to my LinkedIn. Um, and then, you know, it shows I worked for the Kansas City Bank. But um, so I would give tours of of their their vaults there at the Kansas City. And at this time, that was like a brand new building. Back um, in 2006, the building was built. So this is like 2008 and stuff. Then um, I was just like, it was a brand new building and everyone was like super in awe of it and stuff. And I just was really passionate about sharing knowledge about finances and how the monetary system worked and how how like the gold that they were looking at wasn't actually used and backed because like they have gold there and stuff right but it's not actually doing anything it's not backed by anything so like they have this huge robots and stuff and i was just kind of explaining to people like every day every day every day just educating people um, giving tours of their brand new facility and showing them things about, you know, the financial system that they had no idea. They're just, they could be, they could be a 10 year old on a, on a, a school, you know, field trip, quote unquote, or they could be a 40 year old that had no freaking idea that when he wrote a check, that the check actually went to the, through their whole system here in the federal reserve and was, you know, sent through all these different like computers and read and all that. And like had no idea how, how that all works. So it, it really was eye-opening to see like the gamut of financial illiteracy um, from that fourth grader curriculum to, you know, the 40 and 50 year olds that had no idea what, what a check was. They just knew that that's how they pay their bills. That's it. You know? So that's what we have in common. I have a, uh, the first thing right after I got married in 2016, my wife and I, we paid for the wedding. So we had $200 to our name and I realized, crap, I don't know anything about money. Because I learned my parents, my mom's terrible with money. My grandparents didn't know anything about money. So I went on this giant spiel, read like 57 books on financial, personal finance and financial literacy. It's like, oh, okay, why didn't no one tell me this, right? So then I went back and got a certification as an accredited financial counselor. Because in mental health counseling, you find that so many people are terrible with money. They're like, they're like uh, legendarious. I have a... Uh, we bring in $5,000 a month, but we spend $10,000 a month. Why, why can't we save any money? So everything that you were talking about is just from my experience from the other side, right? From the counseling perspective rather than from, you know, the, the more financial perspective. So that kind of forced me to learn, right? We were talking about that bottleneck situation. So I was like, well, no one else is talking about this and I don't want to send them to a financial counselor, right? So I will become one. So. There you go. That's cool. So are you, so you're not certified as a financial uh, person. You're just, what, what are your certifications again? It's an AFC accredited financial counselor. So I don't touch your money. I don't handle your money. I just counsel you on options to do with your money. So I go through how to get out of debt, either the avalanche or the snowball, normally um, how to start doing basic investments. And if they want to branch out into other things, certain resources and stuff like that, but I don't handle uh, like uh, I'm not a uh, 
certified financial advisor. So I don't deal with money. I don't get assets under management, only get paid by the hour. So um, by doing presentations or things like that. So, Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, working at the Federal Reserve as an analyst, you get recruited by pretty much everyone in the financial industry. And, and I, at one point in time, I was really close to going for my series six. Um, I was also interested in going as an, to an, as an investment banker and merger, mergers and acquisitions. But ultimately I, I got out of the federal reserve and became an entrepreneur for myself. Um, I had owned real estate from an early, early, early on, um, in my career, like right out of college, I had purchased a, a fourplex property and owner occupied it, got a FHA loan, Doing very, it small, right way. very small down payment and like got it as a foreclosure. And it was like a really crappy part of town back then. Like now it's like fire. But back then it was like really crappy part of town. And like all my friends that were working at the Federal Reserve, right? They were driving these nice cars. They were spe- spending all their money in like downtown lofts and stuff. And that was cool. Like, yeah, I got to go visit and hang out with them and their cool like apartments and stuff. But then I went home you know, only a 10 minute drive away to a completely different part of town, but I owned a fourplex. I wasn't renting. I actually didn't pay my mortgage. My, my, my renters paid my mortgage. And, you know, I slowly, slowly built up my assets from that. And like, I, I played, I played the long game and I think that's paid off. And so anytime I'm in a position to like kind of counsel a younger person entering the jog market or, you know, looking for their first, um, investment, I, I kind of point to that as like willing to, a scenario where you're, are you willing to, you know, take a hit in your personal or your social life for your long-term financial stability? And if the answer is no, then I mean, all right, we don't have much to talk about. Like go rent, go spend $2,000 on a nice loft and, you know, flash your money with a nice Mercedes and drive into the, the Federal Reserve parking lot and look and fly, even though you're on the same salary as me. Um, you know, we, we got, we got definitely to talk, Yapster. We got to talk. I got with, What's that? Uh, we we definitely have to talk after this. I've got some got some things to run by you. So <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. Later on, I end up turning those. I mean, not to get too winded, long winded on real estate, but I did end up turning those uh, that fourplex and other properties I had acquired during the process um, into Airbnbs. And I guess we're that's a really apartments. So with, that's why. Um, oh yeah, apartments. Yeah. Yeah. So we're about to build some, and so. Yeah, best friend owns three multiplexes. He owns one that gave him a giant, basically it was an old mansion that was from this ritzy part of town that got moved over. So he's turned that into a venue and we have like eight lots in the back that we're going to try to turn into you know, some apartments. So that'll be the venue. The apartments will be people stay. And then the front house, which was super small, he renovated, turned into two units and they're renting out for uh, 1500 a piece per month. So it's just insane. Yeah. The rents here in Dallas are getting exorbitant, to be honest. Um, like I was helping um, just yesterday, just the other day, helping a, a buddy that owns some, a duplex in kind of a North Dallas area. And it's like kind of a shithole, to be honest. And this particular property, like all the other assets around it are really nice and, and remodeled. I'm surprised he hasn't been bought out by now, but the house is in pretty good shape. It's been taken care of and it's, a tiny little two two bedroom apartment for two thousand dollars, and I mean it's not nice in it by any means at all. It's in a nice, nice part of town, but two thousand dollars rent for a two little little two bedroom in Dallas. I mean, I can see that on the coast, you know, in California or something like that. But like, or even in Austin, 
like obviously Austin's a little bit different than Dallas. But this is but Dallas. you're in Dallas. Yeah, yeah. Dallas, man. And and get this, this is kind of like the cap on that story. The people are moving from Austin. Like the the tenants. So they're like upgrading. <laughs> they're getting a bigger space for less rent and they're happy with it. But by Dallas perspective, it's quite absorbent. But I did end up yeah, converting those kind of an interesting little side story. I'll I'll take a moment to share one of the businesses I did run um was with installing Google Fiber. Um again, long time ago, Google when before Google, you know, Fiber was a thing, they started in Kansas City of all places. Um that was one of their first test markets to see if it was going to be a viable business plan to go into the internet service provider industry and kind of take on Comcast and and Spectrum and some of these other companies that uh, kind of had a monopoly on it and I was able to get my hands on a subcontracting deal from directly not not directly a subcontracted deal from one of the main contractors in in Kansas City and literally just like went to work like on the poles outside I, was, I did numbers crunched the numbers bought the expensive capital um, that was needed, which in this case was big boom trucks and um, fiber splicing machines, where they literally are, you know, splicing and fusing the glass fibers of the that the, the data travels down. That's what fiber is. It's little pieces of glass that essentially are smaller than a hair, like a bleached out hair is like what they look like, kind of super thin and really hard to manage if you're if you have any type of shaking hand at all. Like you can't even you can't do this job at all. You got to be up on a pole. And the cold and the heat, splicing fiber and then testing it, back testing it to make sure um, with light, white, you know, frequencies and things that send it down the line, bounce it back and all that, yada, yada, right? So I, I got really good at that and was making killer money, like killer. So I hired another guy and trained him and, and bought another boom truck and bought another fiber spicer. And, and I did that again. And a few weeks later, I did it again and um, got, got up to like seven seven guys um and six uh, quite a few trucks like six big boom trucks and a couple of other smaller like pickup trucks and whatnot so i had a had a pretty decent sized crew and they got gave us an opportunity in denver so i lived in denver for a while um doing fiber for comcast and it was when i was in denver doing night shifts like changing out internet people's internets and upgrading it to fiber is when this opportunity popped up to move to south florida and Comcast was like, so, hey, like, we noticed that you have a pretty good size crew now. You're, uh, you're still a subcontractor over here with our main contractor here in Denver, but we'd like to offer you this main contract. If you move to South Florida, we'll give the, all, the, all, the, all the business to you and your crew, and you'll have probably two years of straight work. And, you know, you don't have any contractor in between us. We'll be paying you directly. And that sounded like the biggest step up possible from that position right i was a subcontractor with seven guys kind of you know at the whims of this main contracting company giving me business here and there and and it was plenty of business and we were making really good money don't don't get me wrong but i was just dumping the money hand over fist into growing the business further and further right i, I didn't take profits i didn't pay myself i was just hustling 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 to buy that next truck to hire the next guy and one of the biggest challenges at the time was hiring you know human resources and having good, like reliable guys. But, um, that's another story. That's a whole nother topic of, of hiring and, and human resourcing and, and getting good talent. That's, that's a whole topic in of itself, but to kind of, um, wrap this story up back to the Airbnb properties, 
uh, when they when they sent me to South Florida, they um, kind of rugged me. This is one of those threats that I was referring to earlier that I didn't see coming, and it was totally outside of my control. Um, they they had signed a contract that said A and B would that would be paid for A and B, right? Just to make it simple. And then when I got to South Florida, we rented a house instead of staying in ex- keeping my guys in extended stays hotels because we were moving around a lot in Denver, like doing a project in this town, getting it done in a couple months, going to this town, da 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 da. Right. So when we, they told us we could just be in one spot in South Florida for two years and do like, that was like a dream come true. Right. So we get, not only do we get to stay in one spot, not only is it, is it warmer? Cause we were doing night shifts in Denver. Imagine how cold it is dealing with fiber, like shake it. Your hands are shaking and freezing in the middle of the night. You got a flashlight and super cold, right? That's, that's like nightmare stuff. Right. So that, so when they said you can go to sunny Florida and you got to wear a lot, you know, it'll be, you know, you could do it in the night or day, whenever you want, you make your own hours. You're the main contractor. This is dream come true. Right. So we got down there. They, we had signed a contract, bought a, uh, rented a big house, right? We rented a huge house kind of in Fort Lauderdale. If you're familiar with South Florida area, it's kind of central to where we were going to be doing the work all the way up and down that whole South Florida area. So we rented a huge house, right? And so my wife and I, and we moved down there and we brought all of our crews and um, moved our whole life down there, right? We were a couple months into the job dealing with invoicing and they finally admitted to us that they weren't going to pay any invoices that had A and B on them. They were, this is how they do it. They don't tell you up front. It's all on the, on behind the scenes, like after the fact, after we've done the work for a couple months and we're dealing with invoicing is when they kind of, they rug you and they're just like, it's kind of like a, it's like a, um, um, bait and switch almost, you know, like they got me down there, got my whole crew down there, got me doing the job, got me familiar with the job for a couple months right now. It's just routine at this point. And they finally rug me. They like, yeah, so you can go ahead and invoice A and we'll pay you. But if the invoice has A and B on it, we can't pay you right now. What do you, what do you mean? I have a contract that says you pay me A and B, not A and not B. It says A and B right here, black and white. Yeah, I know that. It's, it's all good. It's, it kind of outs. This is like, they're like rug, right? So it's Comcast. And then here's the, here's the, here's the big hit. Here's the big hit. They said, oh, and it, and if you don't, do it. We have a line of other contractors that are willing to to do it based on these new terms. Wait, what? I was supposed to be the main contractor doing this whole job for two years. I'm down here, got a black and white contract that says A and B. I've been doing it for three months. You've been jerking me around on this invoicing deal, and you're finally now going to totally rug me here. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's other sort of guys, and oh, by the way, we have twelve attorneys to year one. So good luck with that. What the hell, the officer? So here's you the li- rugged so, in real life. This yeah, is, yeah, this, rugged. This is real not, rugged. Not just, not just, not just virtually. You can get rugged IRL. Yeah, I mean Comcast is one of the biggest companies in the world, right? So they, they don't give a fuck about you. Like they have. This is why they. This is one of the main. I found out later. This is one of the main reasons why they actually hire contractors and not employees. <laughs> uh, so they can rug you and move on to the next one. Um, essentially, is is how uh, industry works. So. Here's the cool silver lining, though, guys. It's, it's, it is actually a happy ending, um, honestly. Like, even though I, I lost a, a multi-million dollar business at the time, I had seven crews making me um, about twelve to fourteen hundred dollars per day in profit each crew. Um, this is how hardcore rugged I got. So I went from that to you know no crews, real quick time because I kind of just like capitulated, right? Like we just moved down there, got rugged by one of the biggest 
you know, biz, business, uh, big businesses in the world doing, doing fiber. I was just like, you know what, this is, this is, I'm out, you know, like I just gave up on that whole business plan at the time, uh, liquidated all our trucks and paid all my guys with what I owed them. By the time I did that, I, there wasn't much left for my wife and I had been working for several years on that business you know, building it up and, and really had no, nothing to show for it. And on top of that, we were stuck in Florida. Um, we had rented instead of staying in extended hotel, extended stay hotels. Like I mentioned, we had rented this big house for all the crew members to stay in much higher quality of life. And it actually was cheaper overall. Um, so we had this huge house my wife and I were stuck in cause I put my personal name on the lease, right. For two year lease. So we were stuck there. We we're only three months in. So what do we do? Well, we went to Airbnb. We uh, got on Craigslist, free Craigslist and cheap Craigslist uh, was still a thing back then and furnished a couple of the extra bedrooms that the, the crew members were, had been staying in, right? And, and within four hours of posting, took some decent pictures, obviously, uh, cleaned it up a little bit, right? And um, took some decent pictures and luckily my wife is pretty skilled at designing spaces. It was kind of a skill set she didn't really realize that she had or hadn't monetized in any type of way before but when we started doing airbnb that's when it really kind of sh- kind of shown shown through as as the really skill set that it was and i'm really handy obviously been done all, done all kinds of things remodeled my own rental properties and like was doing contract work on power poles and whatnot so like obviously i can handle some some remodeling and whatnot so yeah we had a our first airbnb guest show up within four hours of posting that listing online and i'm still friends with that guy to this day his name is Pablo. He's from Colombia. And um, I was hoping to see him when I went down to Colum- to the Cosmoverse. Uh, uh, but but I, I don't know if I'm going to make it there, to be honest, guys. But um, yeah, to, to wrap up the story, yeah, that's how, I turned it, uh, that's how I turned to Airbnb. That was a silver lining. I discovered Airbnb out of necessity because uh, I had that rental property that I had rented and had a huge lease to pay. And Airbnb paid my lease and and turned everything around. And then I was able to like take that idea, Airbnb, and go back to my rental properties in Kansas City and convert them from those crappy little rental properties to nice Airbnb properties right next to the Royals and Chiefs stadiums. And that's that's the silver lining there, guys. So like even though you get rugged, like hardcore rugged, you can still take that immediately, turn around and, you know, turn those lemons into lemonade. Yapster. The riches wow. to rug to riches story. Hi, I'm Legendarius, and on today's show, we get into the life of Yapster, who is the underdog who we all want to win, and here's a spoiler alert, he wins in the end. <laughs> you know, guys, but I think that happens in life a lot. Like, there, there, you get hit, you get hit really hard, and it's like a test to see if you really want to keep pushing on and moving forward, right? And once you do, once you do take that extra step and push on and move forward, magical things happen like with the obster. Now he's a Airbnb entrepreneur, probably has tycoon. <laughs> tycoon, yeah. Who's gonna partner with Legendarius and we're gonna do we're gonna take over Texas. So it'd be great. That was a beautiful story, Obster. I'm so happy that you came out of that really strong though. I, I thought you were gonna say, you know, and now I just buy shit coins. <laughs> I do that too. Well, you know, of course, you know. <laughs> That's a given. <laughs> to be on this show, you have to buy shit coins. I don't think you can be on call yourself on crypto Twitter without having bought a dog coin at some point, right? Yeah, true. But legendaries, 
Uh, you can go ahead and ask your question now. I think we're, you know, we're past that. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean is my question even relevant now? I mean, we just got, we've got some straight alpha. And speaking of alpha, <laughs> two things. One, I still have to give away uh, an Anon season two for you guys. So I will probably. That's dope. Yeah, you know, I'm just, I, try, I haven't done a giveaway in a while. I've been doing IRL stuff. So I'm all about the giveaways. Uh, but uh, Yapster, uh, you may have uh, <clears throat> hinted at some uh, <clears throat> some alpha that you may or may not drop today. Yeah. So one thing I can say, um, I, I don't know if, any, if anyone's following me, they probably saw that I I did make a post just uh, yesterday that I'm hiring. Um, so I am actually looking to hire, but um, I have kind of trust issues, <laughs> as you can imagine, um, in this space. So I'm not going to be hiring anyone that I'm not able to meet in person. Hey, you, I can come. In real life. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. So I, I need to make sure that you're a real person and not just an anon, which is a dope anon, to be honest. Like, well, thank you. I mean, yeah, the, I've, I've already doxed myself, like, <laughs> yeah. multiple times. So, Yeah, I'm perpetually doxed with the link, link tree on my profile picture. I, I knew from early on, like, I wasn't going to be able to stay anon and that I also knew that I was going to end up creating a, a, a public, very public-facing business. And eventually, I would need to have that um, that transparency um, in order to to make the headway. And, and I know there's a lot of like different schools of thought on this docs or no docs in, in the DeFi industry. And I and I actually could argue both sides all, all day long if you wanted me to, because I can I can remove emotions out of the equation and, and and objectively take one stance or the other. And that's one of the strengths I have. Actually, uh, and if I'm giving myself credit here, I, I can kind of remove myself emotionally out of a situation and. And kind of come at it from one side or the other, whether or both, and that's kind of what you need when you're trying to evaluate the the longevity and possibilities of of a business plan. But anyways, yeah, yeah, definitely have some more alpha for you guys. Um, beyond that, I am hiring, and it the uh, the business the business plan in the white paper is is coming. Um, you guys will have to wait a little bit longer for an official white paper. Um, but we we have been in development for this a long time. Um, a lot of the different passions that we've talked about today, uh, financial literacy, and um, th that really comes into play and is highlighted in this white paper quite substantially. I, I've been, ever since joining crypto and crypto Twitter, been very big proponent and advocate um, against large established um industry uh the federal reserve i'll just say it um i'm pretty much gary Gensler's, you know most favorite troll probably one of the biggest trolls that actually was is a former fed i mean there's several former feds out there but i think they typically keep quiet and just kind of keep their head down and like keep their opinions to themselves um I, I don't i don't do that i i will say what i mean and mean what i say and and I'm Docs, so like you can come at me if you want. Like I'm here in Texas, we got guns. It is what it is. Um, oh, we, we we have so many guns. And down here in Texas, just to let you know, you don't even need a license. Like concealed carry, that went out the window. So like, I can have like seven gats on me, like in my pants, in my boots, under my ten gallon hat, on my horse saddle. So. That was so sideways from like financial literacy and passion <laughs> projects to gun toting Texans. I said yeehaw. Uh yeah. Yeehaw. No, that's hilarious. So yeah, I mean I do have a passion to share 
financial literacy. And as I'm more and more educated on on DeFi and and Web three, I'm I'm realizing that the path to to help the most people in a way is going to be a way a decentralized way, a way to incentivize people. I'm trying to be careful with my words, not reveal too many things just yet. Um, I, I can like tell play. you work for the Fed. <laughs> I mean, they never hired me to be any like press conference person, but I could have done that if I would have sold my soul. I guess I could have, but I, I didn't. That's why I left. They did hire me. I did do like some MC work for them, oddly enough. But I can't officially say I didn't do any public speaking for them since I did volunteer to do the... Um, or voluntold to do some of those like tours at the at their their um their base in their basement <laughs> um and they saw that i did pretty good with uh, public speaking i actually uh did do some larger um larger events as well for them but that's neither here nor there um so i feel like i feel like there's an opportunity there um there's a lot of we're we're still a long ways from that long tail of adoption, and there's a big gap of of education. I mean, you can go to YouTube and you go to Twitter and learn. I didn't really know half the things I know now about crypto until I reoped and redownloaded my Twitter app. Um, hadn't been on Twitter in like ages. I was never I, on Twitter like crypto never in Twitter. Like I got at the very beginning, but I was like, I don't need people knowing what I'm doing all the time, right? But then you come back. That, that was with my pre-entrepreneurial mindset. So I had an entrepreneurial mindset. It was just dormant. And I woke it up and I was like, oh, oh no. So I went through a lot of self-development. Anyway, um, then I got back go. on Twitter and I went from no people to almost 3,000 people. So love each and every one of you. Right on. Congrats. That's some nice growth. I've had some nice growth as well. Uh, just being myself and getting involved in the crypto and not really trying to go out of my way for followers. Just being who I am. And I, I love that I, on Twitter, you can actually get followers for that versus on Facebook. I was getting blocked by family members for that kind of thing. So like, lit, like literally getting blocked by family members for being myself and just saying my, my piece. So I'm not really, I'm not at all. I haven't deleted my Facebook, but I, I probably should, but I, I don't even have that app on my phone anymore or Instagram for that matter. Um, I just found my home over here in crypto Twitter and some weird other people out here on the internet actually agree with me. So that's, that's nice to, to have the, some, some validation that I'm not the, the entrepreneur can sometimes doubt himself. Um, your brain is so wired differently than, than, than status quo people. Um, and not to go off on a tangent here, but like with the, the, mo the modern day education system, it's not designed to create entrepreneurs at all. It is designed to create, create worker bees. Worker bees, yes. So you can easily find yourself in a situation where you're doubting yourself because the entire education system is designed to remove that self motivation and create dependency. So that's all. That's I'll leave that at that. But um, yeah. So as far as alpha goes, I feel like that's a, a little bit enough. Uh, probably enough alpha uh for today um you found out that i'm hiring you found out that i'm hiring irl jobs not some discord moderator for an nft project that i'm a reggae on this is our real actual irl physical spaces oop there's some more 
alpha there. I guess slipped out. There you go. Ooh, you right? And you know he can't rug you because he said he wasn't going to. So that's how you know. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, like it's so easy to rug. Uh, you know, using just some random art or whatever, like that could have been done so many times by, and it still is like, I feel like people do that all the time. And I just, I don't have the time or, or the, uh, I don't know, the time or the, uh, the patience, I guess, to fake it. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, is that weird to say I don't have the patience to, to, to rug people or to fake something like i just I, that that ingenuous this disingenuous is, is from the very beginning is why i left the federal reserve it's like i couldn't keep my mouth shut in, in, a, in an organization like that that's not not uh not a government organization it's not a private organization it's a quasi something that exists there and they have a very rigid strict uh, bureaucracy ladder culture all those things and if you don't fit the mold or get into the mold real quick, you'll find out. Um, you know, and I, I had no problem. Like I could, I could advance. I did. I got several promotions even in the short time I was there. I had no problem doing the work and the an, an, an analyst analytics that they had me do on Excel and whatnot. But it, it was the uh, you know it was the cultural aspects of things that I just found myself not agreeing with. Um, and I, and I'm glad that we found that here in the cosmos where people are, are okay with speaking their mind and that community is there to, to, to sharpen iron. Like we're here in a decentralized way. So there's going to be, there's going to be things that kind of pop up that not everyone agrees with. And we work through those, we find the, the problems and we do it all kind of in a public space. And sometimes it's not pretty, but we're, we're getting it done. I much rather have some of these ugly conversations out in public and, and come to some sort of resolution as a community than be dealing with like backdoor deals and, you know, typical corporate centralized stuff. Like that's the whole point of what we're, what we're here for. And, and decentralization is in, in my opinion is to not do that, you know? Yeah, definitely. So your boy legendarius is about to have to go. He's got some sessions to do, but as, as, as promised, I'm giving away an Anon season two. So, to be eligible for this, you will have to DM me the answer to this question. <clears throat> My boy Yapster was uh, flood, uh, flugged, <laughs> was rugged in Florida. What city in Florida was he in? So, you will have to DM me the name of that. And from the correct responses, I will use a random number generator to bless one of you beautiful individuals. With an Anon season two. That's so dope. So I'm guessing that since you're doing it that in that structured way, that people that are listening back onto this recording still have time to submit their answers. Is that true? Of course, of course. I'm a very merciful co-host. That's really cool because <laughs> I don't know if that many people are, you know, available to hang out on an, at nine o'clock in the morning. Uh, you could just, even, you could even, you know reaffirm the city right now live in this moment i could you you could do that yeah i was in south florida um for about two three years and this particular the exact city that i was in was called lauderdale lakes um if in fort lauderdale and and it was actually quite a nice place um 
just six miles from the beach. You can go up to Palm Beach pretty quickly. You can go all the way down to the very south tip of South Florida also pretty quickly. And that was important when we were picking locations uh, with these big boom trucks. They suck gas down, man. These are like V8s and V10s. Uh, like V, like VS V10s, massive trucks. That is crazy. Yeah, I need one just because in Texas, the bigger the better. And uh, Lauderdale Lakes, that sounds like a great place. Hey, uh, hey, Rusty, have you heard of Lauderdale Lakes? Trendy Lauderdale Lakes. That sounds like a cool place. So, uh, it was yeah. affordable. It was affordable and uh, and very centrally located. Um, not like the rest of Fort Lauderdale that's kind of like really stuck up and and very expensive. Um. And congested traffic wise, especially like in the winter, like when, when all the, you know, the snowbirds came down from Canada and New York and whatnot, like it got really congested down there when everyone was like fleeing the, the cold and coming down to Florida. It was an interesting dynamic there. I, I liked Florida. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dock Florida. I, I really like all the cities I've been, I've lived in. So, for, uh, you know, in Florida and then also in Denver and here now in Dallas. But I appreciate, I appreciate you guys, Lindarius and Gaines, taking the time to create these spaces where community members can share a little bit more about them and people can get a little bit more, you know, experience with, with public speaking as, as, a, as a Twitter space host and, and, you know, speaker here today. It's helpful to experience these types of spaces. And I hope more people get a chance to, in the future, to do these. Are you guys doing these weekly or monthly or how's that? How's that right now we're doing it uh, bi-weekly, so twice a month. Um, maybe a little bit later, depending on our schedules, as you know, little gains and myself were doing 9 million things. Uh, we would love to do it, but, uh, we'll have to see how things turn out. But right now, twice a month for sure. Yeah. Officer, how much time you got? Cause I um, mean, I'm, I'm not done asking questions, bro. I'm not done. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, I can stick around for a little bit longer. No problem. All right. Well, you boys going to sign off and go save some lives. Yapster. Yeah, Little games, everybody. Y'all have a great one, and I'll listen to the rest of it. You know, later today. Great, yeah. You're legendary for giving away your your NFTs, man. I, I can't say that I would do the same. I mean, you know, that's what I'm here for. You talked about, you know, we talked about meaning and purpose. So mine is, you know, to ignite the dormant and dying embers within the hearts, souls, and minds of my fellow man, so that they're able to go out and create their masterpieces. So to trans form them from the internal abstract to the external reality. So if I can add just a little bit of joy in someone's life by giving them a JPEG, I will give them a JPEG. Love it. Legend. Legend. Well, hey, have a good one, Legendarius. I'll catch you on the next uh, Cosmic Community Twitter space. All right. Talk to you all soon. Now that he's out of here, guys, um, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, yeah, absolutely. So when did you first start, when did you first start getting into crypto and, and like, what pulled you into it? I know that was legendary. It's like question, but yeah, really get to, you know, elaborate on it. Yeah. My bad on that. Uh, I, I have too many stories, uh, entrepreneurial wise, like that story I shared is not, it's just one, one of the bigger ones that shaped my entry into Airbnb. But I've been into so many different businesses over the years that, uh, I can just, yeah, there's so many stories from all those. So and each each experience represents a, a unique um, perspective on entrepreneurship. And I've learned some really valuable lessons from those. So I like to share them because like, you know, I, I, 
I hope that others can learn from those as well. And then sometimes, you know, you can't, you can't, you really can't learn unless you experience it yourself. But if you can try, try to glean a little bit, it's nothing like going through it yourself, nothing, but at least glean a little bit of information. But yeah, to yeah. your, to your crypto question, my entry into crypto is not all that exciting, to be honest. Um, I, I got into Adam uh, into the cosmos based on, I, I was a yield generating chaser and I was chasing yield. Um, and I saw the on Coinbase app, they were paying 5% APR. If you held Adam in the app, you don't have to, and it was like, it was totally liquid too. Obviously, you know, now that's not what you recommend at all. Like you wouldn't have anyone hold Adam on their Coinbase, but that's how I found out about Adam. Um, because they had their 5% um, APR on on the app. So that's when I first started tracking Atom and trading it a little bit and holding holding it. And I obviously missed mega airdrops because of that because I was not on Kepler for a while. Um, I wasn't on Kepler until I actually got onto the crypto Twitter. Uh, so crypto Twitter saved me in that way. Because I was just happy and fine and dandy to collect my five percent on freaking Coinbase and trade. Do a lot of I was doing a lot of trading, um, but I originally found out, originally heard about um, Bitcoin and and blockchain technology in general when I was back in this was like 2016, 2017 during the that time period where I was in, in South Florida in Fort Lauderdale, Lauderdale Lakes. Um, after we got the Airbnb set up and stuff, and we were still down there, just chilling and had our whole house paid for by the Airbnb. <laughs> that was nice. I started um, doing some research on startup companies that I, the next biz, right? Like I wasn't going to sit on my hands. I, I got our situation taken care of. I closed out my big fiber company and um, it's like, well, shit, didn't make any money on that after years and years of work. Well, now what's the next plan? I started looking into it and I've, I'd always invested in, um, companies through crowdsourcing websites like Start Engine or Republic or Micro Ventures. If you don't know what those are, highly recommend them. Um, it's a good way, nothing else, to like under, see some of the new technologies that are popping up. You get to see a nice little you know, slide deck uh, as, if, as if you were in Shark Tank. You get to see you know, the pitch of, and the investment opportunity and the, the total addressable, addressable market and all these types of numbers and data that that are important, I think, in shaping your overall economic and entrepreneurial um, endeavors, no matter what industry you're in. I think you can glean some, you can glean quite a bit of information just perusing, perusing the offerings that are available on those apps. You can glean quite a bit of information about the overall uh, market conditions for startups um, and specific to some of those industries that are popping up. So I'd always get into those, right? And one of them was they came across that app um, back around like 2015 or so, um, was this app called Ember Fund, Ember Fund. And it's, it's a little green E. Um, I have a link in my bio still, I think actually a referral link for the longest cause I invested in them obviously, uh, through the, I think it was Republic back then, but I think they raised second round on start engine later, but, um, I invested in them nothing major, like, you know, 500, 500 bucks or so. I was pretty much throwing like 200 to 500 to thousand into all these little startup companies all over the place during that time period. 
Um, and then obviously if you, if anyone's like familiar with startup, startup investing, like you don't need to hit all those, you need to hit like one or two here and there, like $50 in Uber would make you a millionaire. Right. So like you just need to analyze the business, understand its strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, make a decision, put a couple hundred bucks in never, and then walk away. Don't, don't worry about it. Right. Long-term investment is not something you need liquid. So, but the, but this Ember fund app, was specifically about crypto. So that's when I was like, cause I'd heard from a buddy of mine that had been like mining Bitcoin from, from ages ago. And like, I, he had talked to me about it and I was busy with the fiber optics company at the time. So I didn't really spend enough time researching it, obviously. Um, but then when this Ember app came across on this startup, uh, crowdsourcing app, I, I was looking at the pitch deck and looking at the numbers and they had a very convincing argument that crypto was the future. And I mean, obviously we know that's the future now, but this was 2017, 2018, I think, can't remember exactly. Um, and I downloaded the app itself as, a, as an investor in the company. I also downloaded the app as a user to, you know, to experience it and whatnot and support it. And I threw some, some money in there. It was basically, it's basically a um, custodial investment app that allows you to kind of invest in crypto kind of, much easier for the for the normal pleb person right which i was a pleb at the time excuse me so i did i invested in bitcoin and ethereum and litecoin it was the you know they, they called it the big three um the big three quote-unquote fund and um you know it rebalances your portfolios they have since now like a lot more features to their app um they have bitcoin mining within the app um, they have news articles coming out every day. So I, I really still do recommend that app for, for plebs that don't really want to get too deep into the woods uh, with crypto and don't have the time or don't have the time to, to kind of get too far into it. I'd much rather see you download it, obviously, a uh, Kepler wallet and, and stake some coins. But if you can't find the time to do that, download this app, throw some money in it, invest in crypto with a couple of clicks. Um, and, it, and it's a nice little easy app. So that's the pitch for Ember Fund. But that's how I that's how I found out about crypto, to be honest, like through that crowdsourcing site and then finding Ember Fund and then investing in crypto through that app just to support my company that I owned, <laughs> you know, very selfish reasons to get into it. Right. And then I started seeing those numbers go up <laughs> and that's, that's when I downloaded Coinbase and started um, trading crypto more directly. And then I was getting into trading crypto, watching some financial YouTubers, and I finally heard about crypto Twitter being the place to talk and discuss crypto. And so I opened up my Twitter app for the first time since like 2013, right? And um, here I am on crypto Twitter and discovering that I've been missing out on airdrops, missing out on staking rewards that double double the rate that Coinbase has been paying me on my Atom, more than double, right? They're paying me five and it's really like 12 or 14. Um, so that I was pissed. Like I found out I missed the Juno airdrop. I was pissed. So obviously that's not happening again. Um, yeah, so that's kind of my entry into, into crypto through that like app that I, that I own a part of through a startup company. And, um, yeah, I did, I did ride the Doge wave, um, pretty nicely. Um, and I also rode the SHIB wave nice, pretty nicely. Um, my first yield farming, this is back before osmosis was even a thing. 
guys, like ship swap was a thing on Ethereum <laughs> before Osmosis, right? So like I actually pulled all my funds out of out of ship swap when I when I found out about Osmosis when it was first launching. And I that's where my funds were at the time. They were liquidity providing that on ship swap of all places. Like imagine. Imagine. <laughs> imagine. Like yeah, I was playing around in sushi swap and stuff, but like the APRs was like degen level on ship swap, like degen level. And you know, it, it it was hard to get friends into that just because Ethereum, the transaction fees, like literally, that was like the bottleneck to me. Uh, you can degen your way at whatever APR, but if you don't have X you know, uh, a sizable amount there and you're getting hit by these trans ETH, ETH transaction fees every time you make a, make a move, like it's going to, it destroys you pretty quick. Right. So really it was for whales. Um, and ship swap actually turned out to not be a rug. Luckily. Uh, I don't know what it is now. It was at the time, like they had during their first, like two weeks of opening, like initial, initial 10 X, uh, bonuses or whatever. Like I just capitalized on those and played that so well and liquidated and moved over to Osmosis. So, and I've been over in the Cosmos ever since. Um, yeah. Does that, wow. does that answer? Like how I entered into crypto? That, that was awesome. This, this kind of just gave me a ver- really good visual of your, your journey into the crypto world. And it's kind of funny how we all end up on Twitter eventually, right? For me, it was kind of different. I, uh, I, ended, I first started my journey on Binance. Uh, just looking at tokens on there. And... Thought I was an awesome trader, started trading crypto there, but really wasn't. <laughs> bought, bought Cosmos there, my first Cosmos tokens. I bought them on Binance. And then when I heard about the staking rewards on Coinbase, when they launched it on Coinbase, moved all of my tokens there. I wish, I wish it was more education though, you know, on Binance. So you could actually read like how to, how to get your Cosmos tokens out of that platform and start staking them on Kepler or, you know, just, just hold your own tokens yourself. Cause for me, it was mainly just, sticking my tokens on a centralized exchange and just keeping them there. Um, but then after that, uh, I started getting involved in some communities on Telegram and slowly but surely just started using Twitter more. So it's weird how we all end up on, on Twitter eventually. But you meet a lot of interesting people. I mean, if it wasn't for Twitter, officer, I don't think I've ever would have met you and a whole bunch of people we you know, socialize with. It's a great tool. Yes, I, I'm really blessed to be on crypto crypto twitter it's it's actually helped a lot because like i mentioned before like i was posting my my radical entrepreneurial think think for yourself opinions on facebook and that was getting me nowhere fast that was getting me nowhere but blocked that was getting me nowhere no no um no intellectual conversations just repeat garbage that you're stupid block stuff on facebook so i'm so thankful for crypto twitter where you can shit post all day long and no one tells you i mean you still might get some people that disagree with you but at least you can have those conversations for the most part like some special cases aside not mentioning names they got slashed or not but that will still block you if you challenge them but for the most part um yeah i definitely enjoy that and to to your point about the 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 education on 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 Binance and whatnot, like I actually use that as a, again a, as a silver lining, a lesson. Like when I saw um, coins on Kraken, for example, they had a nice staking feature where you can stake their stake coins um, right through their through their interface on Kraken and have no 
uh, bonding period. So that was nice. But when I saw new coins get added to Kraken as a staking, I knew, hey, so there's a reason why this is staking. Let me go find the actual on-chain version of this and stake it. You know what I mean? So I kind of then used that as a as a way to find new coins. I think I, I found DOT that way when they had DOT staking on Kraken. And I found um, Kava uh, that way, which has now recently finally become AB, IBC enabled. So that was a long time coming. I've been invested in Kava for a long time. Um, and they're finally like really being a big part of the IBC community now. Um, so that's really, really, that's really good for them, I think. Um, so yeah, I did use that as a, a way to kind of find new coins and, and get involved in, and then not make that same mistake of keeping the coins on Kraken or Coinbase, but then, but just using that knowledge and know that there is something out there on chain that is giving this return. It's not just through Kraken. So let me go find it, you know, and search around until I find it if, if necessary. And I guess that goes back to my whole project that I'm working on. Um, to add value to the cosmos and to the greater crypto community is is, is an educational effort in a, in a decentralized way, but but in real life because I've I've found myself um, trying to convert lots of real life family members and friends into crypto and sharing the knowledge that I have, and I've been thinking of ways to kind of maximize that and decentralize that effort, but also while providing real utility um, to people in real life. Um, so, so in NFTs, you'll see me be a big proponent of any type of educational efforts or um, projects that have true passion to educate people and onboard people, because I think that is important. As we, it's important also for our bags. Obviously, we can't we can't go up until we start getting more adoption, right? But it's also important to save some of these people from the little rat races that they're in that they don't know. They just literally don't know. So it's like there is there's this huge ignorance level and they're just in the cycle of rinse and repeat from what they've been told. They've been back to that, that what we touched on earlier, that educational system is not trained to, you know, for them to think outside the box. It's trained for them to check the boxes that they were given and move on. And so you're really fighting an uphill battle when you try to educate someone on um, some, some totally societal upheaving like types of changes here. We're not talking about like just a new different type of burger joint. Uh, you know, you had McDonald's, now you have Burger King. No, we're not. We're talking about radically changing the entire types of food that they're eating. And that's, that's going to be a different, that's going to be a totally different way that you need to approach that. So I, I've been experimenting with in real life, uh, you know, numbers game sometimes, but also I've been experimenting with how you approach people differently. Um, how, what, how you say things, what you say, when you say it, uh, all these type, dips, different types of psychological and political, un unfortunately, uh, approaches to education. And, and it really is, it's a big challenge. And I think there's a huge need for that. And there's definitely some good projects in the cosmos that are already working on some of the, some similar, um, you know, and in crypto in general and similar uh, educational efforts and passions, but I and will definitely like, want to like share share notes on some of those things when the time comes but for now i'm keeping most of my project um, quite close to the chest as i've learned in the past from my many mistakes and as a business owner so i, I have to uh, you know go go slow I'm, I'm willing to i'm willing to go much slower i could have whipped out a whipped out a project much quicker <laughs> and you know and stumbled through some things 
and maybe made maybe made some had some success, maybe not. But I, I'm willing, and I'm in a comfortable position myself. And I'm I'm willing to take the longer road, um, the road less traveled, to build out a a much more dynamic and um, powerful, I, I, I guess, more powerful system that is has all the kinks worked out already. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I'm willing again. I'm willing to just take that longer path to to success because I've seen the short path. I've I've attempted to take it myself. I'm not above it in some t- some cases. Like I'm not saying that I'm some like almighty like morally just person. Like I've tried to take the short path. I've gone into Shib and Doge and tried to like degen my way there. Like uh, at the end of the day, like coming back to the passions that I have for sharing crypto and and sharing the knowledge of financial literacy in general. And I think crypto is is a massive pivotal part of our um, macro financial societal changes and, and evolution as as a society. And there's again, there's just this need for education and simply awareness and and um, a friendly friendly helping hand to come alongside that person that is curious or crypto curious and show them uh, some of the you know the ground rules without without any type of incentive or, or like shilling or, you know, come buy my NFT and we'll give you your alpha, you you know, you can join my alpha group. None of that. None, none of that. Don't think that's where this is going at all. This is, this is so far from that. You can't even, you wouldn't believe me if I told you this is so far from that. So I guess I'll leave it at that. You guys can uh, infer some, some things from there, but um, yeah, I think I dropped some alpha today. No, I think you're. I think you're heading in the right direction to, you know, educate people in a non-biased way. Because obviously, we all we all have some bags, right? We all hold some bags, and as much as we want to see them go up, you know, it it wouldn't it wouldn't do the the ecosystem any good to just start shilling and putting all this shilling in front of people that are that are new to the space because you don't want them to. You don't want them to just start getting into the coins that you're interested in. You want them to just, you know, take their own path and and be curious, right? Uh, start researching on their own. You wanna, you wanna, you wanna start them on the right path. Because when I when I first talk about crypto, the first thing people say they're like, "Isn't that a scam?" Or what are you talking about, Bitcoin? They always refer to Bitcoin as you know the the cryptocurrency because that's all they really think is crypto, just Bitcoin. But if you start teaching them the basics, you know, what is really cryptocurrency? How, how can I get involved in cryptocurrency without having to shill your own back? That's that's the way to do it, the officer. That's the way to do it. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's it's not the easy way. It's the long way. And I, mm-hmm. I've been experiencing that same thing, Gaines, is where like their first question is, oh, yeah, I, I, I've, I've heard about scams, those crypto scams. It's like, well, have you ever heard of other scams besides crypto that's my response to them usually is like try to try to get them to admit to themselves that scam artists are not just are not crypto specific like the terminology scam didn't just appear out of nowhere because of crypto guys like i got like they're scam artists on every street corner of every city in the entire world like and they've used every method possible to scam you from a car dealership to a salesman selling you a roof that you don't need to an insurance agent, like literally everywhere you turn. So why would you expect anything different in every industry and in any opportunity that a scam artist is going to, they're going to be there. They're going to take advantage of that. So 
don't discount the technology just because scam artists have tried to take advantage of it. That would be a very ignorant uh, thing to, to do, in my opinion. So that's usually like one of the very first steps in the, the most, not, and I don't use ignorant the word when I'm discussing this with new people. I try to be as, as friendly and, and accepting of their perspectives as possible. And I think that's very important when you, if you're to have any type of rapport with them and try to convert them to an, an actual crypto bro like yourself, you need to make sure that they understand that you were there once before. Like you were there, you understand where they're coming from and, and you've made mistakes and you're just helping try, want them to not make the same mistakes and not miss out on the opportunities that are available. And so I tend to like get much more success conversion rates when I, when I approach with a more compassionate angle. And this is one of the challenges for me personally um, because all my life as an entrepreneur, I, I've just been, and, and as, as a, as a self, uh, made person, I have no, no fucks to give, excuse my language, like to, to people that, you know, like I, I just, I just do me and I do me. Right. But with this educational aspect of it, you have to have a little bit more of a compassionate, um, understanding, um, and, and realize that everyone, just cause they don't know that it doesn't mean they don't it doesn't mean they're a bad person. You know, it doesn't mean just because they've been conditioned um, by these things, the status quo and, and the mainstream media and all the, and all these social media, all these things, right. Just because they've been conditioned doesn't mean that if, if presented with the, the new, new information that they would resist it, there's definitely going to be um, natural resistance to those types of things. When you present some people with, you can't, you can't, and, and, and like where I'm going with that is you can't just jump them straight into Hey, this is going to be a paradigm shifting, um, you know, technology. You should probably get on it because the world's changing. You can't just jump into that because they'll have so much resistance psychologically. There's like entire fields of study on that in psychology that that literally prove that like they're just going to resist that. Like you come at them too hard with like mind numbing information, and they're totally shut down. The brain just is like, yeah, that doesn't compute, and you know, I'm. Never mind. This guy's probably crazy. It's not me, right? It's this guy. This guy's crazy. Not me. Like this random guy at the gas station. Like yeah. <laughs> he's driving a like he's driving a Ford truck. He's not driving a Mercedes. So uh, yeah, he's not rich. Like look at his clothes. Like they're gonna come up with any excuse. The mind will come up with so many different excuses for you. You don't have to do it. It's like the mind is a very powerful thing. So you have to make sure that you harness that power correctly. Because if you go at it full steam, you're, you're just, you're going to be running, you're going to waste your time. You're going to get frustrated. And I've been there. Like I've been in those situations with family members or whatever, where I feel more comfortable and I'm, I'm coming at them more head on um, with, you know, with some of these bigger statements and, and, and more, more powerful uh, statistics and things. Right. And, and even then, and even in those situations where there's that trust, that years of trust as a family member or even a brother or a cousin, it's it still is like the mind is a powerful thing. It's going to resist that worldview is established in their mind. And, and anything that challenges that is, is a threat to them, to their, to their world. So not try again, we're kind of getting off into the weeds here with some psychological and philosophical thought thinking here, but I can't help but go there as an entrepreneur. And especially with my whole project as education and educating people on crypto and financial literacy, this is, this is a big part of it. It's a big psychological game. And if approached right in a systematic way, I feel like there is definitely some gains to be made and, and some adoption to, to be had. So let's, let's go get it. Let's go get it, officer. 
Let's go get it. Uh, and <clears throat> I, I'm running a little bit low on time, but before before we you know end the space, what what kind of transitioned you to start looking into NFTs more seriously after you started getting into like the crypto tokens? That's a good question to end on. Yeah, I my first NFT um, in the cosmos was the Strange Clans. I've been pretty vocal about that, and then, but I also was excuse me, my other first NFT on Ethereum um, was a was Satoshi versus a play to earn game as well. So I, I'll say that I got into NFTs because of gaming. Um, I, I've I've always been a gamer. I and then and I've I've played lots of games. Um, maybe not as much as like hardcore gamers. I wouldn't consider myself a hardcore gamer. I'm more of a, I consider myself a casual gamer. Um, but when I started getting into crypto Twitter and I found out I, I got hooked up with some some decent um, YouTubers um, and I, I saw some of them making the case for play to earn games and the future of play to earn games, I started doing my own research on that and understanding the, the total addressable market for gaming in, in the, as, as far as NFTs goes. And that's the, my, the light bulbs turned on pretty hard, pretty, pretty bright, I guess I should say, in terms of NFTs for me then at that point. And that's when I started heavily investing in play to earn games, both on their NFTs, uh, on VC rounds and in their tokens. And I've done pretty well with those overall. Um, but I consider those to be pretty long term plays like Strange Clan doesn't have a game yet. Uh, Satoshiverse doesn't have a game yet. Like a lot of these, even the biggest triple a titles like alluvium i I own some uh, metaverse land in alluvium these games still don't have playable well they have they have their alpha like demo versions but they're still not live like we're still so so um so yeah i guess like nft wise like the first use case for me that really clicked was play to earn games where you already have these items you already have these characters you already have all these quote-unquote specific non-fungible items that could be traded, should be traded, and should be tokenized. And so that was the first like big light bulb for me in NFTs. And it's been kind of a it's been a slippery slope since then, I have to admit. But I, I have have enjoyed collecting JPEGs and filling my walls in my office here with some beautiful art. And um yeah, and I've and I've actually recently successfully onboarded quite a few family members via play to earn that, that, that play to earn when the time is right, dropping that play to earn um, possibilities into the conversation has been a very successful um, angle to approach. So as far as NFTs goes, I have been really, I'm really looking forward to the play to earn and play to own um, genre of, of games and NFTs. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not super big into like the, the play to earn NFTs just yet, just because I want to see what it's going to, you know, actually be like, you know, until I see the game already released and people actually, you know, having fun on the platform, that's when I'll start looking into the more serious right now. It's more like a, like a concept, right? People are just barely in the beginning stages of, of developing these uh, play to earn uh, games. So sure. Gainsey. I mean, we had to have proof of concept on the raccoon bets before you bought your raccoon. So that's fine. We'll get some proof of concept going <laughs> and you can buy in later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely end up paying the price just for being a little late. But uh, but there's definitely something to be said for some caution. Yeah, that's a smart trader. You can't. I'm very high risk prof- profile investor, so I will take lots of shots and 
call them all losses and and move on. Like I, I've had multiple businesses fail. Like I'm not, and I, I think every failure sets you up to, to the future success. And as long as you learn from that. So if you take one thing away from this whole space, if, if you guys are, thank you guys so much for those of you who have been here all literally for an hour and a half listening to me and tell my, share my story. I, that means a lot to me. I, I appreciate the family that has grown out of this community and Twitter and, and some of these NFT projects, and it's been it's become a big part of my life. So I appreciate you guys being here for that. If you take one thing away from all this, I would want that I would I would say that you know failure equal does doesn't add up to success. You don't have to fail ten times to be successful, but uh, success doesn't come without failure either. So it, it's you know take that it, it goes kind of both ways there. So you don't have to fail to succeed, but you but sometimes succeeding without failure isn't always isn't the same like another way to put it is like success without honor is like an unsavory dish like it'll satisfy your cravings but it won't like it won't keep you like you won't like feel good about it you know what i mean like so i I like i I guess we can end on that kind of odd odd analogy of success no it's a great analogy and i also like to add a little bit to your analogy like you know you you are the you are the person that measures your own success, you know, measure your own success, uh, your goals, everything. You just do that on your own. Don't depend on somebody else to say, Oh, that was, that was a great uh, thing you did. It was very successful. No, you measure your own success. Um, <clears throat> because you know, if, if somebody, if you're depending on somebody else to tell you that you're doing good, I don't know. For me, that just doesn't, doesn't seem right. It, you're supposed to measure your own success. 100, 100. Thanks, yeah, for hosting. Yeah, Thanks for hosting. No, games. no problem. Anytime, anytime. It was great, and I I learned a lot, dude. I learned a lot. It was this was a really great space for for me to just listen in and uh, listen to somebody that has a ton of experience, a ton of ton of stories to tell, man. On, on entrepreneurship, definitely help. I hope also, some people in the community uh, learn from them, and and uh, yeah, as as I'm in more spaces here and there, like maybe uh, maybe I'll pull out some more of these stories. And share some because yeah, that's that's just the tip of the iceberg in terms of some of the businesses that I've experiences that I've had. So. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to the next person that you're going to select to get interviewed. So, yeah. So how does that work? So you pass it, pay it forward, kind of thing. Is that how it works? Yeah, basically, uh, you got you got you know just two weeks to to think about who you want us to interview next, and that person will get interviewed, and that person will do the same. Just keep it going. So obviously just someone in the Cosmos community that hasn't been interviewed yet. Who were the first like few interviewees? Uh, well, the first one was Legendarius and then Victoria, Victoria's Secret, and then Emir, I believe that was his name. Yeah. And then uh, Trendy and then you. Wow. Still very early on in this community. Yes. Man, we're so early. Wag me. <laughs> we're so early. We are so early. And it doesn't have to be... I, mean, I prefer not to be any like a high profile or developer. I, I prefer to be like real community members. So you got some time to think about it. And um, yeah, but thanks. Thanks so much officer for taking the time. I know it's a little early for you and uh, thanks for everybody that joined in the space and just tuned in. It was great. Thanks you. Thank you guys. It's been a pleasure. Have a good one. officer. Thank you very much. Peace out everybody. Yeah. Have a great day later. And remember good is the enemy of great. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Cosmic Community Spaces with Yopster, a.k.a. Sir Ardent, 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 damn it, hosted by Lil Gaines. 
recorded on Thursday, August 18th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Sneaking through back alleys on a little cosplay Broadway all day, looking like the wrong way Resuscitating major players in the waiting room Sifting through the paperwork while I be debating fools Breaking rules, breaking bad, like we always wait for doom Slayed a few in my early years, often hit the shroom Sitting in the dark, waiting for the daily news To let us know what we should believe as the latest truth Stay aloof, writing rhymes in the studio Trying to keep it well lit like filming a movie role Sorting through support from your endorsements Of course we're tripping balls, handing reports in the latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view Just a bunch of pack of heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is gizzle Kick it for a minute, then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Big thinking energy always gets the best of me When I kick it in the lab, messing with new recipes Gotta mix and match, flip the lash, letting rhythm scratch No shit, spitting facts with my vision smash Big trip aristocrats, dishing out a list of trash Missing wisdom, this fish is too big to catch Better let the missus know where you hit the stash Watch your next step, bro, before you hit the traps Walking on eggshells, tripping over landmines And I'm about done dealing with these damn lies Man, I'm looking at this planet like a franchise Chastised into digging holes in the back nine the latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view Just a bunch of peck of heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute, then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Terrorist spaces.